that, we are going to talk about Psalms 27 today. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there. And uh, this will be our last message in the book of Psalms. And uh, I know that some of you are like, where are we going to be in Esther today? It was like, yes, but I just love the Psalms. So I, I had to get this one in there before we start next week with Psalms. And I love this one. This one is about fear and courage. And uh, so today we're going to learn about what God's word has to say to us about fear and courage today. So I'm kind of curious. I I promise I won't do this too often because I know some people don't like it and other people do. But uh, I'd like you to spend like maybe just 30 seconds in a group discussion, turn in, and I want you to answer this question, right? What was your childhood fear, right? Quickly, was it monsters under the bed? Was it dark? Was it what was it? Turn around, quick, quick thirty second answer. What was your fate? What was your childhood fear growing up? Hopefully that's enough time there. Would one or two of you be willing to share what one of your childhood fears would be? Yes, Rick. Tobias, what are you, what are you, what's the fear you struggle with? The dark. The dark. How many of you have struggled with fear of the dark? All right. Man, okay, a few of you. All right. How many of you have to go to sleep with a nightlight? There's anything. All right, I have to do. All right, second question, a little bit more serious. Uh, I want you to think about the way that you have fear now. Like, and I, I would just give it a little bit of thought. Not a whole, not, don't, you don't have to go too deep, but... You know, if there was one way you could change your response to fear now, what would you change if you could change it? Okay. So how could how would you change your response to fear if you could? Okay, quick thirty seconds, dive in. Oh, after. Let's, is anyone brave enough to share 
their answer to that question. If you could change one response to your fear, how you respond to fear, what would you change? That's a bias. Okay, you seem pretty brave. What would your answer be? I would hide under my blanket. Okay. So your response to fear would be to hide under your blankets. Okay. Yeah, what would your, how would you change your? You, you would want to, did you say you want to pray? Okay. Anyone else? Well, today, uh, what I want to do today is, is I want to go through the Psalms, and I, I want to give you one key way that you can overcome fear. Right? I'd really like to do uh, a series on fear at some point, the theology of it, what it means to fear God, all the aspects of fear. Fear is such a big topic today. One of the most paralyzing problems in all of life is fear. Our fears are directed in so many areas. Fear of the unknown, fear of uh, disaster, fear of sickness, fear of disease, fear of government overreach in face of that disease, death, fear of people, fear of losing our jobs, fear of enemy attacks, fear of being misunderstood or rejected or criticized or forgotten, or mistreated. There's a lot to be fearful, right? There is a lot to be fearful. And sometimes what makes matters worse is when the very thing that we fear actually comes true. And sometimes it's worse than we anticipated. And I've known times, friends, there, the reason I want to talk about this is that I know that there are times in my life where I've been virtually paralyzed by fear. And so today, uh, I, want, I want to speak into that. You know, one of the things uh, I know about fear, you know, one of my favorite verses about fear was actually quoted in the children's video. It comes from Joshua 1.9. What does Joshua 1.9 say, church? Well, I, I kind of hear it, right? <laughs> what does it say? Have I not commanded you be courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Um, I love that. It's such an encouraging verse. The other day I was reading it, and, I, I don't, and I've read that verse a lot, and I don't know if I've really caught the connection until the other day. If you want to hit back that, that slide back there. Is there seems to be a connection between fear and discouragement. Right in the text, what does it say? Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed. If you read the NIV version of this, it says, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. So I've realized that there's some sort of connection between discouragement and fear. And when I look at the world today, and you know, I think that, that if I could think of one word to describe the last three years, a great adjective would be the word dismay. I think a lot of people have this kind of like the world, there seems to be this world is awful, the world is falling apart vibe, Russia's going to start World War III, there's going to be new restrictions, I'm not going to have enough money to put on the table, I can't afford a house, the world is ending, the politician that I don't like is going to become governor, all that kind of thing, right? There's just so much to be afraid of, and when you and I give into our fear, what happens is that we feel dismayed, we feel discouraged, and we complain and we gripe, and there just seems to be this kind of air about the culture right now 
where everyone's kind of lost heart and given up. But you know, as Christians, I would, I would say to you that, we're, that we are not to be pessimists, we're, we're not to be blind optimists, but I would say to you that we should be optimistic realists. Do you know what I mean by that? Is, is that you and I, uh, out of everyone in the culture, out of all the things that are going on right now, uh, we should be able to acknowledge, yeah, the world is a dark and scary place, and yeah, those fears are real, but you and I, we don't have to worry. There's hope. There's hope. We, can be, we, 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 we should be the ones that have the smile on our faces, that have the bounce in our steps, that we're able to be the people that no matter what the circumstance and no matter how far the fear goes, no matter how dark it is, we're the ones that say, it's going to be okay. And because it's going to be okay, we can be joyful and happy. We should be the ones smiling. We should be the ones celebrating. And it doesn't seem like it is, but I want to tell you why. Because Psalms 27 tells us this, and I want you to catch this. Psalms 27. You can write this down if you take notes, because this is like the main kind of what, what Stan's trying to say that Psalms 27 is saying. Psalms 27 reminds us that there is no need to fear because of who God is. Let me repeat that one more time. Psalm 27 reminds us that there is no need to fear because of who God is. Look at, look, look for me, I'm going I'm to fast forward for this a little bit here. Look at verse 1, it says this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? It goes on to say that the Lord is my stronghold. Whom shall I fear? And so what I want to catch with you guys is this, is that, um, <clears throat> is this, is when you and I are afraid, when you want to overcome the fear, the key to overcoming your fear is this, is that it is totally based on how big your view of God is. I want to say this very clearly. I want, to, I want you to write this down if you get it. Courage is a result of convictions that you hold about God. Okay? If you want to overcome your fear, if you don't want to be mastered by it, then what you need is a big God, an epic God, an epic God, or sorry, an epic fear rather, requires an even more epic God. A.W. Tozer uh, used to, uh, he's kind of a famous Christian, he used to say this, and I, and I would have to agree with him on this, is that the most important thing that a Christian can believe is their view of God. That what you define as God, who you think God is, what you think God is. That is the most important thing that you could ever do. And I've come across church, I've been in church a long time, and people have some very, very weird versions of God. And I've, even in churches where Christians have been there for a long time and they've been going, I went, once ran into a guy in church who grew up in church, whose parents are rock solid, that believed God was a carrot. God is not a carrot, friends. God is not anything created in this earth. He's present in creation, 
but he's not this. You need a big God. And the reason that he says that you, you need, a, you're the most important thing that you can, you can do as a Christian is have, or what you think about God is because of this. You will never rise above what you think God is. Let me say that again. Whatever your definition of God is, you will never rise above it. So if your version of God is weak, you will never rise above his own weakness. And so here's what I'm going to say about this. If there's a fear that is greater than your version of God, then, then what happens is you, you get lost to your fear because if God himself can't overcome it, you won't. You will never rise above your version of fear. You need an epic view of God to conquer your fear. Not mindfulness, not some sort of weird exercise. You need to have a strong view, a mighty view of God. You know why I say that? That is so important, okay? And here, here's what I would go on to say, is Jesus is the answer for your, to your search for that kind of God. You want to know why I say that? Because Jesus conquered death. And I've been, I've been here long enough to say that I've been around death quite a bit. And no matter what you think about death, no matter what you feel about death, I guarantee you that you will be afraid in that moment. There is no fear that grips our heart more than the fear of death. And the great news about Jesus Christ is that Jesus not only died in the cross, he conquered death. And because he conquered the thing that all of humanity is afraid from, I'm going to tell you that he is that epic version of God. You have no need to fear because of who God is. You need, an epic fear requires an epic Jesus. You need a Jesus, a version of Jesus that comes from Colossians chapter 1. Do you know what chapter 1 says about Jesus? He says, he, Jesus is the, invisible, is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn about all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rules or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him he holds everything together. That Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And that's why he says in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trouble. But take heart, I've what? Overcome the world. And Psalms 27 reminds us uh, that there is no need to fear because of who God is. Well, what does Psalms 27 tell us about the Lord? The Lord, the Psalms 27 reminds us that the Lord is my light, my salvation, and my strength. Let me park on this for a moment. The psalm is saying to us that if God is for us, all sorts of things can be against us, but because God is for us and he's our light, he's our strength, and he's our salvation, you and I are just going to be just fine. 
He says, the Lord is my light, which means that I don't know the way, but I know the God who is the light. And in him there is no darkness, there is no shadow or turning of thee, because even if I don't know the way, I know that God himself will illuminate the way. Did you know that God has understanding and full has full understanding and full knowledge. Even when you don't know what's coming, God does, and therefore you do not need to be afraid. He has intimate detail of how things work. His understanding of knowledge is immeasurable. The measure of his wealth and knowledge would fill the heavens. He understands and holds the very genetic structures woven through a blade of grass. When it comes to individual human lives, God sees and knows you totally. That's both comforting and scary. We are completely transparent to him. God knows and understands every human being more intricately than they know and understand themselves. He also knows what's going to happen. An hour from now, two seconds from now, a year from now, a hundred years from now, God is your light, friend, the same God who came down as Jesus and died for you, said that he was the light. John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Jesus is your salvation. The Lord is your salvation. Not only is he light, he's your salvation. Do you know what the name of Jesus actually means? It means, it means, it means that our Lord delivers. Do you know what salvation means? Technically, the biblical definition of salvation is to be set free, made whole, or delivered from whatever is destroying you. Jesus is our salvation. Acts 4.12 says this, There is no other name in heaven and earth by which men can, what? Be saved. And here's the great thing about that, friends. If God can forgive you for every mistake that you've made, then God can do in anything, and he can set and free and deliver you from even your fears. There is no fear that is bigger than Jesus. There's no fear because God is bigger than whatever you're afraid of. Thirdly, God is your strength. It says actually that, technically, that if you go forward in the, in the text, it actually says that God is uh, the stronghold of my life. I'm not sure if you know what a stronghold is, but essentially the definition of a stronghold is a place that has been fortified as to protect it against attack. It has to be strong enough to withstand whatever is coming against it. And David, who was writing the psalm, is a great warrior, would know the value of a stronghold. And he knows that the Lord, he's comparing the Lord to a stronghold, that the Lord is his uh, strength. You know why I think that is so important? Let me, let me tell you about who God is. Scholars tell us that God is strong. We don't serve a weak God, we serve an epically strong God. God has, has, is all-powerful. We say that he is omnipotent, And what that means, oh, omnipotent. And what that means is that he possesses all means and all ability to exercise that which he desires to accomplish. Whatever God sets his mind to, he is strong enough to do it. God's power has no limits in terms of time, space, 
extent, or magnitude. God's power expresses itself through the rule of all creation. This means that God exercises a measure of control over the events of human history. He has rule over humans, nature, government. He is in control of everything. There's not one thing in all of creation that is more powerful than God himself. His understanding of knowledge is immeasurable. He is a great and strong God. God is your strength. He's your stronghold. That kind of God is your stronghold. He is your strength. So here's why I tell you not to fear. Psalms 27 essentially tells you that that kind of God is your light, your strength, and your salvation. Isn't that cool, friends? I don't hear an amen. Now would be a good time for an amen. Amen. But here's the thing. Listen, in in uncertain times, there can be lots of reasons to be fearful. There's lots of questions coming up about how something is going to work. But David keeps reminding us that because God is a strength, our light, and our salvation, I don't need to be afraid. The Lord is my length, my strength, and my salvation. He's the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I fear? It's kind of like saying, I don't, I don't need to be afraid. So if you want to conquer fear, what I would understand the, is the best thing that you can do with your fear is introduce your fears to Jesus. We need to learn how to introduce our fear to the Lord. Because... And when you go, fear, meet my Jesus, who is stronger and more powerful, and he's for me, and he's not gonna, and he's gonna protect me, he's my light, and he's gonna be strong for me when I can't. He is the strength, my light, and my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid, fear? And you know what? I think that is so important. The best thing that you can do to overcome your fear is have that view of God. But you know, here's the truth. When push comes to shove, uh, uh, in in times of great fear, we forget, don't we? We tend to, and, and in those moments, I think we need to remind ourselves of the greatness of God. That there is no fear that is bigger than that that God. If you look at the structure of Psalms, it's a long song, so I'm I'm not going to read it all for you, but if you look at the the structure of the Psalms, you can essentially break it down into five sections. There's, and I all name them with P, okay? There's proclaim, ponder, praise, petition, and patience. So that's my way of helping you remember what the Psalm says, right? Okay. All starts with P. Pastors love alliteration, right? And the first one, proclaim, is we just talked about that, right? Verse 1 talks about the Lord is my strength. He's proclaiming, hey, this is the version of God. But if you look at the rest of the psalm, he does four things to remind himself of the greatness and bigness of God. In verse 2 to 3, he ponders. He ponders. Listen to what it says in verse 2 to 3. It says, when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh. That's a, that's a scary thought. My adversaries and, fo- and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. 
Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Remember what I said? Courage comes from your conviction, and that breeds confidence in time of fear. Okay? That, that, that phrase in verse 2, when, I was reading it the other day, and, it, and, it, and scholars tend to say that, notice how it says when and not if. Okay? Signifying that David has had enough experience with fighting in armies to, to signify that, that this, isn't, this isn't something, the, uh, a scenario that he's worried about happening. It's something that he's experienced before. So what David is doing here is he's actually recalling all the times that he has been in a fight and that God, would, and God came through and protected him. And I would say to you that in those moments where you're afraid, you have to remind yourself and ponder of all the times that our big God, our epic version of Jesus, actually came through and saved you from your fear. So if you want something practical, I would suggest this. is The next time you're afraid, do what David did and recall to mind all the times that you have been afraid where you need God to come through, and he has. Just take a piece of paper, eight and a half by 11, and start writing down, God, what have I been afraid of in the past, and how have you delivered me from that fear? How have you protected me from that fear? How have you overcome that fear? And just write it down and come up with five or six specific instances. And every time you're afraid, just recall it and remember, remind yourself that God is bigger than whatever you're afraid of. That he is your strength, your light, and your salvation. Moving on, Don, Don, uh, he actually praises. It says this in verse 4 to 6, One thing I ask of the Lord, that I will seek after him that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all my days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. He will hide, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. So the day when I'm troubled, when that pressure comes, when I'm afraid, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me up on a high rock. And now my head shall be lifted above the enemies all around, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices of shouts of joy, I will sing in praise. I want you to notice something about this section of text. Yeah. And I want you to highlight all the eyes in this statement. I will do this. I want to be in the house of the Lord. I want to gaze at the temple. <clears throat> I will sing. I will sing with a shout of joy. This is a... <clears throat> This is a testimony of David and David alone. This is a written account of a man's private life and his personal struggles. This is David the man, not David the public figure. David is alone before God in this instance. Also observe that he is singing privately. This is a result of his trust in the Lord that God is big. And I would encourage you in moments where you're afraid to actually put on some music and sing the psalms. Remember what I told you, the sings, songs bring you closer to Jesus? And remember what I told you too about how songs are, the purpose of them is to get the word of God to dwell in your heart. In times of fear, the thing that, the, word, the, the most relevant piece of scripture that you need to know is who God is and what he is and how big he is 
in comparison to your fear. I think that's a really important part of music. If you look at uh, the story of David and Saul, you'll notice that Saul was tormented by what? A demonic spirit. And the answer to that was to praise and worship, if you recall. And you remember that I actually gave, when when I started the series on Psalms, this is how I ended it. I ended it with sharing you a story about James and the picnic about how he was afraid of the thunderstorm and how James in that moment was scared and terrified and in that moment he pulled out my phone and he, I don't know how he did it, he scrolled and found the song about Jesus and it was this one. And he starts singing to himself in the midst of the, I don't know if you saw this if you guys were there, he starts singing to himself this song. The Lord is my rock and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He is reminding, without even realizing it, he's reminding himself that God is bigger than whatever he's afraid of. Right? I don't know if you've heard that VeggieTales song. God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than the monsters. You, you get it. I'm not going to subject you to my singing. David praises to remind himself that God is a big God. In verse 7 to 12, he petitions. He expresses what he needs. Listen to this. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud to you, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, O Lord, do I seek. Hide me not from your face. Turn not your servant away in anger. O Lord, you have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and mother may have forsaken me, but the Lord will, be, will take me in. Teach me now your way, O Lord, and lead me into, on a level of the path because of my enemies. Give not me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. And so, what you're seeing there, as I highlighted in the text, I hope you see this, is the number of the times that he's asked God for something. He's asking God for help. I think one of the things that you and I can do to remind ourselves that God is big is actually come to him with our fears and say, God, will you help me? What fear do you need him to save you from? I would go on to that. Lastly, This is the hardest thing that I would say David has to do is he exercises patience. Verse 13 and 14 say this, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of God in the land of the living. So he's declaring in that moment, what he's saying is, I know that God will deliver me from this. Verse 14 says this, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your not heart take courage wait on the Lord. Do you know one of the hardest things to do when you're afraid is actually be still and wait on the Lord? I say that because the tendency that you and I have to our fears is that we want to try to stop our fears from coming true. And so you and I tend to put in place actions that do that, but here's why waiting on the Lord is so important. Sometimes the things that we do to prevent our fears from happening 
is the very catalyst that makes our fears come true. So I'll give you an example just out of my own life. When I was, when I was afraid when, when, uh, about an old fear of my, I had in my life, um, years and years and years ago, I, I, I went through this season of my life where all my friends got married but me. Okay? And I was afraid. And so I wasn't really looking for a wife at that moment, but I was, what started happening is all my friends left me. Right? Got married. It's kind of see you later. Like, and I just, I just went through a season in my life where I, I was alone. And I was afraid of doing that. But because I was afraid and I didn't want to be alone, I started getting mad and angry at my friends every time they went on a date with their girlfriend or boyfriend. I don't know if you've ever experienced that with your friends, right? I was that guy. I was the insecure guy. But you know what happened in that instance? The very fact that I was getting annoyed at them drove them away. So the very thing I was doing to say... To, to prevent them, prevent my fear from coming was actually the thing that actually made my fears come true. That's why waiting on the Lord is so important. Exodus fourteen fourteen says this. It's it's the it's the account of Israel crossing the Red Sea, and then they're they're stuck between a mountain and the ocean and an army. And if you recall what they said, we talked about this in September of last year. Is their response to Moses what was this? Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die. They were afraid. But Moses says to them, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still and watch the salvation of the Lord. Being still, friends, reminds us that there's no fear greater than the fear, uh, greater than God. So that's why I would say this morning that I could talk a lot about fear and I could give you lots of tips and tricks and things the Bible says about it. But Psalms 27 grounds us in the core truth of this, is that there is no need to fear or go in, give in to your fears because of who God is. God is bigger than whatever you're afraid of. He's more illuminating than the darkness that you fear stronger than whatever is coming against you. And he is the one that will deliver you. And that is so important, friends, that you and I understand that. Because our culture's answer to fear is to be risk adverse. Is it not? But the problem with taking out the risk in things is that it leads to a boring life. I've read that Bible backwards and forwards and it looks to me like if you want to follow Jesus, you're going to be put in dangerous situations sometimes. Abraham being called out to a country that he's not known. Joseph being sold into slavery. <clears throat> the, the people of Egypt wandering around in the deserts. Joshua fighting, a, <clears throat> fighting men twice his size. David against Goliath. The prophets going before God actually sharing with them, this is what God says, even though it could probably kill them. Jesus dying on the cross. Paul sharing the gospel of faith. Following Jesus involves risk. It involves putting ourselves in places of danger. 
And if you try to mitigate the risk, you will actually just kind of give into it. The answer to fear is courage. It says be strong and courageous. And courage comes from the conviction that God is bigger than what you're afraid of. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. We know, God, that we live in a scary time, but I also know, God, that your word says is that uh, I really love John 16, that says, in the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The things that we're afraid of happening, God, I know that you're bigger than. So I pray that in those moments where we're terrified, you would help us remember the bigness and, and, and how powerful you are and how good you are, how strong you are. In Jesus' name, amen.